Welcome to the Creative Careers in Medicine podcast with your host, Dr. Dana Pung, and myself, Dr. Elise Hutt. Join us as we talk to inspiring clinicians who have redefined their careers. Hi, Dr. Ash Coxon. Thank you so much for joining me on Creative Careers in Medicine podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Now, I think the community in CCIM knows of you and your work, but if you could summarize yourself in a few words, what would they be? I would say I'm a professional chaotic juggler, juggling balls of work satisfaction, career progression, and lifestyle. And often those balls get dropped, but they always get picked up and put back into the pile. (laughs) That's an interesting way of describing yourself. As we are going to be exploring your very interesting career, because you've not gone with a traditional path, particularly as a GP, can we go back to the beginning and talk about how you ended up in medicine in the first place? Yeah, interestingly, so I live in Townsville, North Queensland. So there was a medical school that had opened in Townsville when I was in year 10 and it had just opened James Cook University and it had two cohorts of medical students that had gone through before me. But at the time I was in year 11, I remember doing some Lions Youth of the Year interview with an interview panel and one of the panel members just said to me, oh, I've just done the med school interviews. You know, you should think about becoming a doctor. And this is someone I'd never met before. I've never seen again. And she mentioned it to me and I said, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. And a nice 16-year-old response. So that's actually literally the reason why I decided to start thinking about medicine. And the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. But it was just that opportunity had arisen in Townsville to join the medical school and I jumped at the chance. I didn't get in first year. I got in the following year. So what bits about medicine made sense to you? I think I probably have a little bit of a different perspective because I'm a career counsellor, so you'll hear all about that soon. And I guess my pathway as a undergraduate student and what made sense to me then probably resonates with a lot of other people and that it was that I was a high achiever, I was determined and I was ambitious and everyone around me was saying, oh, you're a good student, gee, you should do medicine because everyone often couples high achiever with medicine. So for me, that's what felt like made sense. Everyone's saying I should do it and I have the grades to do it. So that must mean I'm going to be good at it and enjoy it. And looking back now, particularly as a career counsellor, I can understand that just because you have the ability to do something doesn't mean that that thing is for you. But at the time, I felt like ability equals our career choice. So that's my motivations. And I don't regret doing medicine. I think I'm very happy where it's led me. But there were many, 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 many times where I did question whether I'd made the right decision as a junior, young, naive 16-year-old. So what was it like for you going through medical school then? Because it sounds in your situation anyway, it wasn't like you had someone in the family that was a doctor that you modeled off. It was someone that a complete stranger that mentioned it to you and you decided to give it a go. What was it like for you during medical school? 
Yeah, so I'm from a wonderful family. I don't have any doctors in my family, although I think my great-great-grandfather or something was maybe a doctor. But my mum was a school teacher and my dad worked for CSIRO, so he didn't finish any tertiary education. But they were just happy for me to be happy, and I think that's a lovely foundation to have. I definitely didn't get pushed into doing medical school, so it was a choice that I made. I think the thing about medical school, I loved it. Like I loved medical school because I love studying and I love learning and I'm driven and ambitious and I love to have a goal. And that goal was finish medical school or the goal was to do the best possible results in an exam. So for me, it was a very goal-driven process where I knew what I wanted to achieve and I worked really hard on achieving it, but I didn't actually often recognize or question whether I actually really liked the content of it. I think like a lot of medical students or people getting into medicine, we're driven and we're high achievers. And so we think, once again, medical school, high achieving, and therefore you actually enjoy the process of studying because it's a challenge. It's not until I started practicing medicine that I actually really questioned, oh, hold on. So all that learning of the Krebs cycle was exciting at the time, but actually not really that useful. And now I need to actually start talking about the hard stuff with patients, do I really like this? So it was really a real epiphany for me going into my junior doctor years. Mm, Okay. So what happened in your junior doctor years? Like how did it lead you to pursue a career in GP? Oh, I am more than happy to say I did not like being a junior doctor. I struggled. (laughs) I I was happy to tell anyone that would listen, oh, what's with this job? It's not what I signed up for. I I had moved away from home to the Gold Coast to do my internship and junior doctor years and I loved it. I loved the lifestyle. It was great. We were with a bunch of friends and it was really good fun. But I found being an intern and a junior doctor incredibly anxiety-provoking me throughout medical school and high school being a perfectionist, an ambitious person and a high achievement person just did not equate to being a doctor because I found that having these traits of, you know, if you study hard enough or if you work hard enough, you're going to get the outcome. That's what I was used to. But all of a sudden your patients aren't following that script. And sometimes your patient with abdominal pain isn't the classical thing that I learned in a textbook. And it absolutely perplexed me this idea of, hold on, this isn't fitting the script that I studied for all those years. What do I do? I found the environment really difficult. I found the pace of work really hard. But above everything else, I found the responsibility and the bad patient outcomes very, very, very difficult. I didn't mind internship. My second year out was a real challenge for me. And I often questioned whether I should leave medicine. I always dreamed about being a Woolies, working in the Woolies deli every time I went to get my groceries. Yeah. I actually think the desire to work in the Woolies deli and to be a florist are the two most, I think, the two most common alternative careers that many doctors dream about in their like spare time. Oh, maybe I should go work in the deli. But I used to always want to work in the deli. Being a career counsellor now, I I look into it and I think that just means I I wanted less responsibility or I wanted predictability or I wanted to have 20 meets that people could choose from and they only had one or two choices. It wasn't this plethora of things I had no idea about. So I really struggled with the responsibility of being a doctor and not just the responsibility but what it really meant, this career ahead of me, that it wasn't predictable, I didn't know what was going on. So I also perhaps rebelled against the idea of being a GP because 
JCU Medical School very much produces very good GPs and I felt like it was an expectation that I would do general practice. So for a while I was like, no, I'm going to do anything else. But (laughs) the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. So I signed up to GP training in my third year out and started GP training and loved it. And it felt home when, as soon as I walked into a GP clinic for the first time. That's so interesting because I found that when I started GP training, there was actually a lot of uncertainty. You know, in fact, the abdominal pain often would be, there's no sort of diagnosis for it, but the patients get better anyway. So I just reassure them. So I find it interesting that you felt that, no, the next step that made sense that it involved even more uncertainty was actually GP. I think it's got a lot to do with your supervisor as well, that your first supervisor you get as a GP registrar. My first supervisor, I finished GP training 15 years ago and I still think of her so fondly. She spent most of our supervision talking about dealing with uncertainty and a lot of that is what now as a career practitioner I see so much of dealing with choice and uncertainty is if we as individuals can come up with a strategy to help us coach ourselves through dealing with uncertainty and choices, then that will make life so much easier. And so if you can learn when to triage, not just in medicine, but in everything, like what is urgent, what needs to be sorted out now and what can wait. And that's what my supervisor really taught me. Mind you, I was still an anxious mess through GP training. I was always (laughs) wondering if the rash I'd missed is something awful. And I did miss some stuff in GP training. And I think that's I missed some serious stuff as well as a doctor and I think that's awful to go through. They talk about post-traumatic growth and I think it's a bit the same in medicine when you have some awful things happen, it's how you deal with it and when you come out the other end if you've learned from it and that's really important as well. A hundred percent, I agree. I think it would be not humanly possible to (laughs) miss something at least once in our careers. So then how did you end up in career planning slash counselling then? I guess the story that I just told makes it sound like GP life was all rosy and wonderful for me. It wasn't. When I say I found my pathway, probably what I meant was career satisfaction for me in the hospital was probably one out of 10. Then I went to GP land, it felt significantly better, but it was probably six to seven out of 10. And I did GP training and I had this wonderful mentor who was in medical education. So I started working in medical education because I saw this amazing person and I was like, I want to be like you. I want your job. You look so happy. So I started working as a registrar medical educator, which was an extended skill of GP training at the time, teaching upskilling in medical education. And I started doing a master's of clinical education. So what I started doing is I started talking with more and more GP registrars And I still felt like at that stage, I was doing lots of reflection on how I came to my choice of doing GP. And I really felt like it was a process of elimination for me. It was like, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. And I just was constantly thinking, shouldn't it be the other way around? Why am I choosing the least worst part or the least unenjoyable part that I think in medicine? Shouldn't it be, what do I want to do the most? But I think I'd got so used to a ruling out process in the medicine world. You know, like we go to work and we need to rule out, we get taught to rule out all the nasties first. We get taught to rule out, make sure it's not a pulmonary embolism, make sure it's not cancer, make sure it's not this. And then the least sinister thing is often what you're left with and that's great. So I felt like that's how I went about my career and I thought that's just the wrong way around for a career person. So I started looking into 
how to make a good career decision. And I just got really interested in the process behind making career choices. And I found this world of career counselling. And I know we had career counsellors in high school, but I'd never even thought about non-high school students having career counsellors. And I looked at what they did and they were career counselling is all about this beautiful process of also learning how to understand yourself and then making the best career choice for you at that point in time. Not a career choice based on avoidance or fear or the best of the worst in your perception, but what am I the best at? Where are my skills? What am I interested in? So it's a process of self-discovery as well as picking a career. And I found that really fascinating and something that I felt was missing in medicine. So that's when I don't know. I'd had my first baby. I've got three kids, a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. And so when my first child was born, I just couldn't get the idea of career counselling out of my head. So my husband just said, oh, look, just stop talking about it and just do a course, like upskilling it. So I was doing my master's at the time of clinical education. So I also just chucked on a grad cert of career development. And this is where the professional juggler comes into it. And I did that whilst my baby slept. I just loved it. I loved the different way of thinking. I think more doctors might need this than just me. Surely if I need it, more doctors do. So then my second child was born quickly, 18 months after my first. And on my maternity leave, I set up medical career planning. I was like, oh, I'll just set up a business and see how it goes. It doesn't seem too hard. And it was very hard, FYI, running a business. <laughs> but I set it up and I don't know, the rest is history. I Every year for the first few years, I'd say to myself, if it doesn't work out, I'll shut it down or next year I'll shut it down and I just couldn't bring myself to shutting it down and now I do it four days a week and I just love it. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it doesn't seem amazing. I don't feel like it's amazing but different perceptions I guess. I think it's meant to be. I feel like this was where I was always meant to end up but I didn't realise it all those years ago. I never ever thought I'd run a business. I'm the least businessy person ever. (laughs) I definitely didn't say that to invalidate any kind of hard work and the hard yards and the tough bits that you went through, but I quite like that you definitely, it sounds like you approached it with curiosity, you were willing to take risks, which often is required to get some kind of reward. So yeah, in that sense, I think it's pretty amazing. I'm a big risk-averse person and I think it was a calculated and educated risk. It was like, oh, and this is where I'm so grateful to being a GP and I often talk to GPs about it if I'm career counselling GPs that I had the courage to go out and do it only because I had general practice as my landing board. And I often refer to, you know, the fellowship of GP or any fellowship, but in particular GP because we have so many options and getting that fellowship is like standing on a riverbank And the riverbank is the fellowship and it's solid, it's comfortable, it's something that there's plenty of space on the riverbank, there's always plenty of work in GP land. But if you're feeling like you need to do something different, pick up a fishing rod and chuck a rod out, chuck a lure out, whatever the word is, fish for something and see if you catch a big fish or a little fish and reel it back in and then fish again if you need to. So for me, the confidence only came from general practice. So as much as I probably would never work five days a week in general practice again. I will always be grateful for uh, the fact that we have a solid career that we can always come back to. Wow, I really like that analogy. It's a good one. 
So I know throughout this talk, we have touched a fair bit on career counselling and alluded to bits of it. I just wanted to digress for a moment and talk about perhaps if someone was listening to this and it prompted the idea, but they're not 100% sure if it's worth seeking out career counselling and really uncertain about what that process involves. Can you please talk me through what that looks like? Yeah. So I think that every single person should have career counselling or coaching or not even career counselling or coaching, just a counsellor or a coach. I've got my own coach. I see a coach once a month and I love it. The best way to describe it, I guess, is what I do is I'm a career development practitioner and career development encompasses career counselling, career coaching and career planning. Career counselling is the process of being able to understand what you might be enjoying about your career or what you might not be enjoying about your career and using those learnings to predict what you might enjoy and might not enjoy in the future. But the key to career counselling is being very specific about what it is instead of just thinking, oh, I had an awful day today, oh, I don't like work, I'm going to quit. Being very specific about why your day was not so great because that is the learnable part, getting some really nice defined terms. So it's a bit career counselling. Career coaching is a solution-orientated process. So the counselling is kind of like the talking and the figuring it all out. The coaching is the, okay, what are we going to do with this now? Where are your goals? Where do you want to go? What does life hold in store for you? And the career planning is the practicalities. Like, okay, you might want to do public health training. Have you thought that you need to do a master's of public health and three years of clinical work and what these are how you get the jobs and you need to do your CV or you need to do some interview prep. So career planning is the practicalities. They're all equally as important. So when someone comes to me as a client, for everyone, even if they don't want to, everyone goes through a little bit of the career counselling because I love asking questions and I love helping people to be able to structure their answers in a way that is actually useful to them. So we'll talk a little bit about why you might not be so happy or what your goals are. We then spend a little bit of time talking about the planning stuff if that's necessary. So if you're thinking about, gosh, I don't have a clue what's out there. I just want to know what's out there. Then we'll talk about different pathways and we try to tailor it to your interests, strengths and skills and personality and values. So I always go through interests, strengths, skills, personality and values to get the individual to understand what they are, but then to also be able to perhaps link it up with a career. So if someone's been a surgical PHO for seven years and doesn't want to do it anymore and they're left thinking, oh gosh, there's nothing that I could possibly do. Well, in fact, there is a lot that you can do. You just need to be able to identify that For instance, surgery is not the only place that you can do procedural work or not the only place you can have a good functioning team. So once you figure out what it is you like about your job and where your skills and strengths lie, we can then be able to say, hey, have you thought about pain medicine, for instance? Gee, that's a very procedural career with teamwork or ED has lots of procedures with teamwork or a GP proceduralist. So merging it all together to help the individual. But half the time it's just having a chat to someone that they enjoy and getting a lot of the stuff off their chest as well. Yeah, and through that process it helps them figure things out, which is great. Well, hopefully. I mean, not everyone's going to be able to get the solution from a couple of sessions of career counselling because quite often there's more going on in someone's life that Mm -hmm. might be leading to that indecision or that unhappiness or that dissatisfaction. So career counselling for a lot of people helps, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's not going to be the answer for absolutely everyone. And Mm. 
The other difficult thing is there's no immediate results often in career counselling. Like someone might say, okay, I've identified that I want to do radiology, Mm. but that's going to take me three years to prep my CV and get the right rotation. So I often don't know if they get onto radiology or even happy in their career as a radiologist for 10 years. So it is when people come to me and say, tell me what your evidence is or tell me what your outcomes are. It's a very hard thing to quantify because Mm. career satisfaction is something that happens over an entire career. Mm. And what I aim to do is to give people the tools to question at any stage of their career, am I happy and what can I do about that? So that might Mm. be in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And I think also it's like a really good source of like a safe sounding board because not everyone will feel comfortable bringing up with their supervisor and might come across as, oh, you're not as committed to this particular specialty. Why are you questioning it and all that? I think it's a really safe place to have someone who can be unbiased and be a sounding board. Absolutely. And I've heard everything. So there's nothing that surprises me. People often feel very embarrassed or ashamed to say, oh, I don't really like medicine at the moment. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. (laughs) Heaps of people don't. Don't fret. It's okay. It's okay to not love our jobs every single minute of the day. You're not a bad person. And it doesn't mean you can't be a doctor at all. It just means that And you can even remain in the same specialty. It just means that you're having a bit of a rough time and that's an awful place to be when you think everyone else around you is loving their job and getting on training programs and, you know, so I think it's completely normal for people to have periods of not enjoying their job. Just like any other job in the world. Absolutely. (laughs) And so with your business medical career planning, aside from career counselling and planning, I've seen that you also do workshops and courses and online courses and things like that. So yeah, what's next on the horizon for medical career planning? Oh, we do heaps of things. We're, I've also got an allied health career practitioner. So we're expanding in a lot into the allied health sector, which also have very similar frustrations. So to anyone listening, next time you see your friendly allied health practitioner working, just check in on them as well. The other area that I'm also starting to do lots more work in is with the vet sector. So I've been um, doing some work with the local university vets because vets also have similar career concerns at times as well. But we there'll be new courses coming out. We've always got more courses coming out. So we've got a couple coming up on the, a non-clinical medical workshop that I'm doing with the amazing Amandeep Hansra from CCIM. And we've got a big course coming out soon to help people get into medical school if they're wanting to pursue a career as a doctor. Here I am talking about how to be a happy doctor, but there are lots of happy doctors out there. And if you want to become a doctor, that's fantastic. I'll have a course to help you get through, understand the medical school applications, but also medical school in general. So the next course I'm coming up for medical students is not just going to talk about how to get into medical school. It's going to go that step further and actually talk about what life is like as a doctor and all the specialties you can do. So as a bright and excited 16-year-old thinking about medical school, you have a full awareness of what your options are and what you can do. That sounds really exciting. I can't wait to see (laughs) all these interesting courses come up. And so... With our final question, I think you have already answered it early on, but maybe your answer might be different now. I was just wondering, in an alternate reality where you worked in something completely unrelated to healthcare, what would you do? Oh, well, 
10 years ago, yes, Woolies, Woolies Deli Worker for sure. But it's interesting because I remember talking to a Woolies Deli Worker once and I said, oh, I would love to have your job. And she was like, no way. I stress every night that someone's got a seafood allergy and I've given them ham from the ham section, but it's actually got some seafood bits on it. And they've gone home and had anaphylactic shock. And I was like, oh, yes, I hadn't thought about that. And that really taught me that doesn't matter what you do, there's stress everywhere. In an alternative world where I could do anything, Mm. this is going to wow you, Mm. I would be a professional cricket scorer for the Australian cricket team. (laughs) Okay, that's highly specific. It's not even, oh, I want to have something to do with cricket. It's very specific. I score cricket games and I haven't, because I've got three kids now, they take up too much attention. But from the age of 10 years old, I scored every single cricket match that was played in Australia, test match, for about 15 years or so, every ball of every cricket match. And I love it. I love scoring cricket. So if I could do anything, that's what I would do. And I'm sure you would be great at it, Ash. I don't know. I'd probably think I'd want to be good at it, but I'd probably talk too too much to people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So thank you so much for your time, Ash. That was a really interesting and enlightening look into your career, especially, I think, for people who might be considering deviating from the path of traditional clinical medicine. They can either come see you about career counselling or even become a career counsellor themselves. So hopefully this will spark some ideas. Absolutely. I'm happy to talk to anyone about it. I love career counselling. I would say thinking about going into a different career and running a business is a lot harder than it might look, but it's fun and it's a challenge. And as doctors, we're used to challenges. So if you want to do it, just do it. That's what I say. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been really fun talking to you. Thanks for listening to the Creative Careers in Medicine podcast, a proud member of the Talking Health Tech podcast network. Visit the Creative Careers in Medicine website in the show notes of this episode for more resources to help you find the courage, confidence and skills to take control of your career and forge your own unique path. The Creative Careers in Medicine podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, water and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders past, present and emerging. 